Scott Sempier got to talk with Sydney Dolan herself, even though she is still only 20 years old. Sydney performed the feature role as Odette in Swan Lake in 2022. Let's listen on on what she had to say. Blazers, the official podcast of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Corral. We've been singing in Philadelphia and all around the globe for over 50 years. As America's ambassadors of song, we have had many fantastic experiences, traveling to many different countries and meeting amazingly talented and wonderful people. The great leadership and high standards of the choir have allowed us to have these opportunities. This podcast, Behind the Blazer, is designed to introduce you to the Philadelphia Boys Choir culture. Season 2, in particular, highlights some of the many partners we have had in the Philadelphia region who have joined us to help create even more excellent music. I have this opportunity to sit down through Zoom with Sydney Dolan, who is associated with the Philadelphia Ballet, of course, as Angel Correa told us. She's the first soloist in the Philadelphia Ballet, and I'm so glad to have you on Behind the Blazer. Thanks so much, Sydney, for joining us today. So much for having me. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. First off, your hometown is listed as Philadelphia. When did you first learn about the Philadelphia Ballet? So I was born in Philadelphia, but Mm -hmm. I moved down to North Carolina with my family. So that's kind of where I started ballet and have most of my childhood memories. And actually, before we moved to North Carolina, I in um, Northern Virginia. So I was only in Philly for a few years, but my whole family lives here. My distant relatives live in Northeastern Pennsylvania. So I'm, and my uh, mom and dad are both from the Philadelphia area. I actually did not really hear about Philadelphia Ballet. Previously was Pennsylvania Ballet until the the turnaround. The previous director resigned and on held over. And that was a lot of things, a lot of buzz in the ballet world. And I heard about it. And that's kind of when my attention was drawn to Philadelphia Ballet, because I always had been a huge fan of Angel and his dancing. So many of his videos I watched on on YouTube. So he was very much someone who inspired me, even though it, as, a, as a ballerina, you you look at a lot of other ballerinas, but he was definitely as far as male dancing goes, just someone that I loved so much to watch videos of. And so hearing that he took over the Pennsylvania Ballet previously really kind of drew my attention to, I heard about Pennsylvania Ballet before, but that really kind of sparked an interest a little bit for the future. Sure. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And he definitely, as you know, he's a very accomplished ballet performer as well. One thing is I heard a glitch when you said how old you were when you went down to North Carolina. Can you just repeat for me? Yeah. So I was born in Philadelphia and I was, I think, four years old. My family and I moved to Northern Virginia and we were there for a few years and just due to parents changing jobs. And then we moved to North Carolina from there when I was around eight. And that's kind of where I started taking ballet seriously and having most of my memories but I was born in Philly. Okay. Yeah. So you were eight when you started taking it seriously, you said. So when did you start officially dancing ballet and and whatnot? So I started in Northern Virginia when I was 
three and a half, four. And I danced for a few years. I was in my school's Nutcracker. I was Fritz in the Nutcracker, which is Marie or Clara's little brother. And it's funny, I had to wear a hat covering my bun. And it was really fun for me because I never really acted on stage because the Nutcracker was kind of the only ballet I did on stage just because I was so young and I was always a, a little mouse or you know something that was just kind of in the group so doing Fritz was really fun because it was more of a featured role and I could really act on stage and kind of play a part and that's what I loved so much about ballet so that really got me into it when I moved to North Carolina I took a little bit of a break from dancing because my family had been moving and I was moving schools and it's really overwhelming. And I got back into it when I was eight. And then I didn't really take it until I was about 10. It's kind of a huge deal for a little girl or as a young teenager for uh, a girl to get her first pair of point shoes. And that was the age I got my point shoes. And it kind of just opened up a huge realm of possibilities for me. It was a lot more fun ballet on point and it was a whole new challenge. So that's kind of where I really got into it. It sounds to me like you earned your your point shoes by being so dedicated and your parents saw that dedication, but it was a it began a whole new level for you, huh? New interest. Exactly. It was a big commitment too because point shoes don't last as long as soft ballet slippers. You kind of get new ones once you get a hole in them or you feel like they're starting to smell or whatever, but <laughs> they're completely different. They die. So you wear them a certain amount of time and they die. So you have to get them more frequently. So it's quite a, a financial sacrifice for my family to say, okay, we need to commit to whenever. And as I got older and as I started wearing point twos more, I started going through them faster. So in you know months wearing the same pair, maybe turned into one month, turned into weeks, turned into days. So that was also another thing that they sacrificed too. But they saw how happy I was doing it and how many lessons it was teaching me and how exciting it was that they uh, sacrificed that. So that's really amazing that they were able to do that and and see how they could invest in your education your happiness the things that bring you joy what is it that's different about point shoes versus ballet shoes so both men and women both wear ballet shoes a lot of people have different names for them depending on where you come from they can be ballet slippers and they're just the soft shoes they're made of either leather or canvas you usually wear leather shoes when you're younger i've actually seen older professionals wearing leather shoes they have a little more grip on the floor so it's hard to turn a lot and it's a little bit more of a different feeling than a canvas shoe you know they're just kind of a almost i want to say almost like a sock they're not really a shoe. They're very soft and, you know, comfortable. And point shoe is a little bit more complicated. Nowadays, it can be made out of a lot of different materials. Now, I actually wear these point shoes. They're made of plastic. And usually point shoes are made of, there's a lot of like plaster and wood. And it's very, it's a hard shoe. It's like a, it's kind of like a block a little bit. And you'll see a lot of ballerinas behind the scenes smashing their shoes on concrete to make them uh, softer and quieter or bending them in half with their hands. I've seen a lot of dancers in, in the Philadelphia Ballet every day cutting their shoes with 
exacto knives and it's a harder shoe and it's you have to do a little bit more to it than a ballet slipper but your feet have to be fully developed and you have to have the strength not only in your feet all the little muscles all around your metatarsal and tendons and ligaments but also your calves and your whole leg so it takes time to gain that strength and then once you do you are able to have the strength to wear point shoes. And then after you have the uh, opportunity to put on a pair of point shoes, it's building the strength with those shoes too, because it's not just going up on your toes, not on the tip of your toes. It's also on the platform of your toes. You have to feel an articulation going from the heel to the toes all the way up. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of work and practice and isolation, but it's something that everybody's always working on, even as a professional, getting that strength. So there's quite a big difference between ballet slippers and point shoes, or some people call them toe shoes. That's more of a familiar term. I really appreciate that depiction. It opens my eyes quite a bit because I'm not part of that you know, culture. I, d- I definitely don't know about these things. So I appreciate. As a comparison, if we're kind of comparing point shoes and Flat shoes. We also call them flat shoes. There's so many names. Slippers, flat shoes, technique shoes, I've heard too. The softer shoes. It's almost like a bike. When you're learning how to ride a bike, you start with training wheels. And that's kind of what the slippers are for a female. Male dancers, they don't wear point shoes. Sometimes they do for strength, but not on stage usually. You know, once you learn how to ride with the training wheels and you feel the right sensation, then you take them off and start working on just without training wheels. And that's kind of what the difference is when you're speaking in terms of experience. So do you wear point shoes then on stage even now? Yes. We always begin with class in the morning, which is in the studios. And also when we go on stage and we perform at the theater, we always every morning have technique class. And that's just kind of to get our bodies warm and ready for the day, feel whatever, work on whatever we need to, depending on what you're rehearsing or performing. And that's always how we start our day at the bar. And we do a series of exercises, you know, or start with our legs really low, easy, easy movements. And then we start kind of progressively getting the legs higher, speeding up the tempo of the music. Then we can take away the bars. And a lot of the time, usually when we're at the bar and we're in class, we wear soft shoes. So it's not like we take them away completely. And then sometimes in the center, some of the ladies put on point shoes. But when we're doing ballet on stage, classical ballet, we usually, the women wear point shoes. But nowadays we do a lot of contemporary and neoclassical, modern, outside of the realm of classical ballet. And sometimes we are going back to wear flat shoes or soft shoes. So actually right now what we're working on is our final performance of the season and the ballet that I'm performing is in soft shoes so it's kind of like switching gears a little bit it's a little different and it is also more of a modern piece so it's not very upright it's a little bit more kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit so it's not that we take away flat shoes completely we kind of do both, but for classical ballet, we're point shoes. Great. That's awesome. Angel mentioned you as an exceptionally young dancer who earned this right to be part of the Philadelphia Ballet performing in the ballet, in the performing ballet. You talked about how you got your point shoes when you were 10. What motivated you to achieve such a high standard at such a young age and be so accomplished 
And how old were you when you became part of the performing ballet? So it's actually a funny story. It's one of my fondest memories of my career so far, just because it's so, so special. I was 15 at the time. I was doing my normal school in North Carolina, my ballet training. I was doing homeschooling and I was working in the mornings with my teacher and I do school. And then at night I would go back and take class. And I continued that during the year. And during the summer, there was a little bit of a break of classes and I was a little bit antsy. I wanted to get into the studio and I was 15. So I was never tired or like ran out of energy. I always wanted to work in the studio and our studios were closed. And I had a friend of mine have a connection with the previous directors of the School of Philadelphia Ballet at the time. And they were able to have us go in to take class at the Philadelphia Ballet for a summer program. And basically, there's a normal summer program of the Philadelphia Ballet where students from all over the world and from anywhere can come to the studios and work with the faculty of the School of Philadelphia Ballet along with company members sometimes also join and teach on Hell teaches as well and they have guest teachers so it's a really great opportunity for students to come and work and kind of see what it's like the Philadelphia Ballet during the summer and there's a two weeks at the end of the summer so we're talking like beginning of August where there's a program called Company Experience. And it's almost like a simulation for students to kind of see what it's like having a day in the life of a company dancer. And it's you have class in the morning and you learn a lot of repertoire, ballet, temporary, whatever that may be. And it's a really great way to kind of see how intense it is for professionals and to see, you know, what you're getting yourself ready for. And I was able to, with that connection that I made with my friend, to come up to Philadelphia from North Carolina to participate in the company experience as kind of a way to, to experience that and to meet Angel. And that was one of the biggest things, too, to be able to take class and actually work and be in the same room as Angel. But it's also kind of a way for me to like get back in the studio and work for the next year of training. I remember I got here and I took class the first day and I had a conversation on how he was like, who are you? I hadn't, I hadn't introduced myself before the class. And most of the students in the class had already been there the whole summer. So I was kind of just there and we had a conversation. We kind of introduced each other. He asked me where I was from. I gave him a little bit of information about me. And then a few days later, he called me into his office and he told me, I really want to offer you a second company position. And I was 15. And also I was only coming to take class. I did not expect to get any offer at all. So I was white as a sheet. I couldn't even believe it because I, I didn't even know what that meant. And basically what it means is it's kind of a we have our main company, we have all the ranks of our main company, and then there's the second company, which is kind of a like the junior varsity of the company. So it's a little bit of a smaller group. It's a professional position. It's paid, and you do things involved with the main company, and you also do your own performances. We do outreach performances, go to schools and perform excerpts from ballets and kind of get ballet out there a little bit more with students and work with choreographers. So he essentially offered me that position, and I didn't even know 
say because that was just such a surprise to me. And then later on, we were having more meetings discussing it and seeing, you know, where would I live, all of these things. And he asked me how old I was because that hadn't come up yet. I said, I'm 15. And it was just the crazy thing. I'd never seen that like look on his face before. It was because it kind of added a lot more hurdles for the staff because a lot of the second company members were over the age of 18. So for me, that meant a lot of child labor contracts and a little bit more of, uh, for example, I couldn't get physical therapy until I was 18. So all of everybody, if they had pain, they could go to the physical therapist. I was not able to be treated because I was under 18. So it was just such a crazy thing. And I, I called my parents and I said, listen, I got this offer, but the season's going to start in two weeks. So I'm going up to Philadelphia thinking, oh, I'm going to be here for a week taking classes and I'm going to come back home and start your of training. But I'm telling my family and preparing myself to possibly come and move to Philadelphia by myself and start my professional career. I accepted the offer and that's where I started. So later I went home from Philadelphia and two weeks later I was back here and started my first job. And I've been since. Oh, that's quite an adventure. I mean, you're so young and who was taking care of you? Where, did you just have to kind of mature quickly or how did that work? So I lived with my friend for a little bit and then it was like two months. And then I moved in with my great uncle, which is so great about my having my family in the state and in the city. I have my aunt and then I also have my great uncle. So I moved in with my uncle and lived with him for a year. And then I moved in with my aunt the following year. So I was still able to be with family, but I still had that independence. I had to get myself to work every day and make sure I was at rehearsals on time and I was in charge of my schedule on top of emails. And besides that, I also was still in high school. I was going to my sophomore year of high school. So I still had three years of school left. So that was also another thing. I had to be on top of myself when it came to my assignments, exams, all of that. So it was a huge shift for me. I didn't have my dad right here to help me with my algebra and my mom to like help revise my essays for me. It was just like, okay, yeah, it was crazy. And, and from there, it really just every year I went up a rank till here I am. <laughs> yeah, first soloist. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had the pleasure of seeing you as Odette Nodil in Swan Lake. You know, I wanted to take my daughter to see Swan Lake and I had heard about you because I had talked to Angel and Beatrice and sure enough, you were in that featured role. First off, it was awesome. And second off, like I didn't realize that there's a rotation of the main characters. How does that all work? Because you have to memorize a whole bunch of roles, I'm sure. Yeah, so it gets really complicated when, you know, our company is the size, but you have all of the higher ranks, their jobs are to be the featured roles. And so since there's many of us, there's many different casts. So there's, you know, the first group, there's no debt for the first group, then there's a no debt for the second group. So I think there was about seven of us, which is good because you don't have one girl doing the full length of Swan Lake every night or one couple doing it every night, you have kind of a rotation for me for a two week run. I did it the first weekend and then I did it the second weekend. And then sometimes you have other roles when you're doing a, a bigger role, 
they try to give you a little bit less stress. So I only did one other role and it was kind of, it was a little bit easier. It was in only one act. It was like a two minute dance. It's almost better to have more casts, more groups, because you can kind of spread the love a little bit, give more opportunity, because that's something that's so wonderful about working for Angel. He's such uh, an opportunity giver. He wants to give everyone a chance to really prove themselves and to grow, because the only way to grow is to be given the chance. And that's something so wonderful about working. So that also is another plus to having a large amount of casts of Odette Odile or whatever it is. There are many different parts in the ballet, but that in particular is so demanding that have to do it every night or every other day would be just so difficult. Wow. I appreciate that. That's great to hear that you have so many different opportunities. And that, as you said, Angel affords opportunities to so many different people. Do you have any memory of or experience with working with the boys choir in the Nutcracker? What has been your experience with the boys choir? I think the best memory I have is the first time I ever saw that because going back as a student, you have you have the boom box or you have have the music and you press play and when you get to the theater it's the same thing you listen to the recording that you have and that's always what I had for the Nutcracker and coming here I realized oh we have a live orchestra we have an entire orchestra we have a conductor the music is being made right here right now and that's it live that was a huge layer for me of, of inspiration and made me even more in awe of where I was. And going into doing the Nutcracker for the first time with the company, that first year I was with the second company, and I did the snow scene for many performances. I remember the first time I was warming up backstage and I see the red blazers and this line of boys walking by. And I was like, what's going on? What, what are, are they taking a tour of backstage? I didn't know who they were. And then I'm standing backstage. I'm in the downstage left wing where I kind of see the box, the front boxes at the Academy of Music, where it has a really good view. And I saw all the red blazers right in that box standing in the line. It's something you don't even realize that, oh, I have this live music, but I didn't even realize where was the singing going to come from. So that was so incredible, just seeing that and snowing on stage. And I run on stage and the scene happens. And it was just so amazing just hearing that all happen right in front of me. So I think that's really my fondest memory because it was such a shock, almost like, wow. And just it was so amazing to have that happening live right in front of me and also for the audience to see all of that to see the conductor and the dancers and the choir it's just it's amazing that's another thing about Nutcracker that's just so magical wow I really appreciate you saying that you know it just brings another dimension to the whole experience for sure and and I can appreciate that all the more I've never been a ballerina myself or a ballet dancer but to hear how this collaboration has really meant so much to you that's incredible yeah. What is your favorite memory from dancing with the Philadelphia Ballet, also known as the Pennsylvania Ballet previously, of course? I have been, like I said about giving opportunities, I've been given so many amazing opportunities. And that's kind of where things really skyrocketed for me was getting the first opportunity and seizing that and then getting more and more and more and more. 
that is just amazing. But I think my best memory was performing in my first year in the company, getting cast as Dewdrop in Nutcracker, because I remember that was one of the first ballets that we start working on the whole season. And I found out very unconventionally, usually you find out casting, it's posted on our website. We have our own little digital call board and you can see your schedule, casting and everything. So usually you just see that and you're like, whoa, I'm doing this or whatever it is. And I actually was one morning at the beginning of the season as when I was an apprentice, my very first year in the company, maybe my first month in the main company, I got a phone call from, I see on my phone, the caller ID was Samantha Dunster, who is our assistant artistic director. And I see she's calling me. And usually when she's calling you, it's never a dull conversation. Always telling you, oh, you're on the sh- for the show tonight, or it's always something. So you're always like, my heart rate just spikes whenever I saw her name in my phone. So I saw she was calling me and it actually woke me up. It was a Saturday morning. And I answer the phone and she says, says, good morning, how are you? It's just a conversation. And she says, well, I wanted to wait to post Nutcracker casting, but we've gotten a contact from the, I think it was the Metro newspaper, Philadelphia Metro newspaper. And she said that they want to do an article about you. And she's like, but I have to tell you why. And she said, we're going to cast you as Dewdrop this season. And I, I almost cried because that's one of the biggest parts. Aside from the sugar plum fairy for the company, that's number two. And I remember I was only, you know, doing little things in the back the year before and I was in the second company. So hearing that and also besides the casting, also being told I was going to do an article, it was amazing. So that I think is the fondest memory. And then obviously a few months later, performing that on stage for the first time. And after that performance of my debut, I got off stage and Angel gives me a hug and he says, next season, you're going to be promoted to the corps de ballet. So that was just that whole little run of shows. That's the most memorable for me, I think. So many memories, it's really hard to pick one. But if I had, I would have to pick that one. That's just so awesome. Such a great memory. I mean, just your description of it, I've got these goosebumps thinking how awesome that would be to work so hard and see that great success. Here you're working for your hero and in many ways you get to be shown all the ropes and nurtured in in your skill and your talent. And that's wonderful, really. Sydney, thank you so much for being here on Behind the Blazer. It's truly an honor to to meet you and, and I appreciate all that you've done so far in your ballet career. And I look forward to seeing you more with the Philadelphia Ballet. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. All right, thank you. Behind the Blazer is the official podcast of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. Please like, share, subscribe, and give a five-star review. Support our organization, the Philadelphia Boys and Girls Choirs, by donating at pbgcsings.org slash donate. Again, that's pbgcsings.org slash donate.